This week's episode is sponsored by Spaces. Spaces is a new platform backed by 15 plus years of educator feedback designed to document the process and progress behind student learning in your classroom. Join the Spaces community to connect with educators across North America and gain access to free teacher-created resources, help educators who are just starting out on their journey, and learn new things from teachers who have been there before. So visit community.spacesedu.com today. Uh, is this the teacher hotline? Welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Hotline. My name is Ronald Hay, where we try to answer some of the most pressing questions for teachers in and outside of the classroom. Today, we have Jessica from the Halton District School Board. Jessica, how can we help you today? Hi, Ron. I'm a business teacher like yourself, and I'm a big advocate of financial literacy. I'm curious to hear what you and other teachers are doing in the classroom to help students become more comfortable talking about money. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how we can teach financial literacy in other subject areas and not just students who enroll in business classes. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jess. I love your questions. You are absolutely right. I'm a huge advocate of financial literacy and something I've been working on at my school for quite some time now. But just like yourself, I'd love to also hear from other teachers as well to hear what they are doing in their classrooms. So today I bring in Ali Herji a business teacher from Agent Court Collegiate at the TDSB. Ali has been teaching for 14 years now, teaching in various business courses, career studies, mathematics, and is one of the biggest advocates of financial literacy in the province of Ontario. Ali has graduated from his B.Ed. program from the University of Toronto at Oasey and got his B.Com. from Ryerson University. Ali, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you, Ronald. Happy to be here. Uh, so you are a huge advocate of financial literacy. This is something that I've been working on at my school for the last 10 years as well. Uh, so it's always really nice to meet other teachers just as passionate. Uh, so my first question is, why are you so passionate about educating young students about financial literacy and money? I'd be happy to answer. I've been passionate probably since my second or third year of starting teaching when I got in, uh, invested in my first condo. And I realized the potential of putting money in action and at the same time using it, making it work for you. So after that experience, I said, well, I'm already teaching business. What else can I do in this, you know, in this field to prepare students for what life is afterwards? So my passion comes from teaching the students and youth about managing their money, decision making, very important about decision making, because if they don't know decision making, then hopefully, fingers crossed, that they'll be able to make a good decision related to when they have to make their first rental agreement, or when they rent a car, or when they buy a house, or even the simplistic is, do I make lunch from home, or do I pick up to Morton's on the way to school, from an ice cap to lunch, or even a snack on the way home? All those decisions come to place, but understanding the impacts, and of course, we're all guilty about it in regards to those, you know, financial literacy, in regards to, you know, those decision making, and for me, <laughs> it's the simplest thing. I miss breakfast. What am I most likely to pick up on the way home? A donut. 
on, on the way to school, sorry, a donut. And it's just the thing is I can probably make the same batch of muffins at home for less than, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 cents compared to making spending $2. But it's those little life stories and decisions that is important for our students to understand. And that's why I'm passionate about financial literacy. Um, even the aspect of uh, comparing investments. Um, a lot of the time, even I spoke to my students this time, uh, just this earlier this week, I said, how many of these students have a plan for post-secondary? And it's shocking. It is the month of May. They've probably gotten accepted, my grade 12s, into their respective courses. And there's a few of them, a few of them, probably count them on my hands, that at least I have some money aside from RESPs or scholarships. But the majority of them are just going to rely on government funding, OSAP, to make it by. And this is where I try, I do my best to Im, 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 you know, impart on them, is that planning is important. Those decisions you make, having that loan attached to you moving forward, and in regards to just understanding all those things. Um, when the students grow up at, over the end of the day, they're going to become adults. And then they're going to be adults participating in the economy. And when they're participating in the economy, you hope they're making the good decisions that impact their pocketbook, which means more money in their pocket for whatever they like to do. And if they have family and kids, then pass it on and pass that generation generational wealth down to them. I agree with you. Like all the stuff that you're saying to me, it's it's what I think kids and teenagers are craving to learn, right? They, it's such a common phrase. And, uh, you know, what, what kids always say, like, oh, I, I wish, you know, we learned this in school or, or why are we learning X, Y, Z when we should be learning about something more practical. And I think what you're talking about is all very practical life skills that every teenage and adult person on this planet should, should know. Um, so my question for you is because you teach a, a various, a variety amount of, of business courses, right? You talked about, uh, heck, I think I read on your bio, you teach career studies, you teach business, you taught an accounting once, so you teach marketing, business leadership. So do you try to incorporate some of these life lessons, these financial literacy lessons in all your business courses, or do you only pick and choose where it naturally fits into the curriculum? Oh, no, I fit it in all. Any way that I can fit it in, I make sure that it's part of and embedded in my curriculum or in my pedagogy. Um, in the 2010 addendum from the ministry, um, as they had, as because of the financial crisis in 2007 and 2008, the Ministry of Education in 2010 developed, they had a task force in 2008, but in 2010, they said, hey, here's our financial literacy addendum or add-ons to the curriculum for all curriculum, all subject areas. Um, but when I speak to colleagues, it's what what are you talking about? I don't know about these addendums or any additions. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's part of the curriculum. It's an add-on. It's something that we should be continuing uh, to partake in. So going back to the question is, do I add it in all my courses? Yes. How are the ways that I add it in my courses? Many ways. One simple example is if I'm teaching the grade 10 careers course or the grade 10 business course, I do a simple budgeting activity where it's like a mock scenario of like it's similar to like game of life. You have two scenarios. One scenario is you have 10 or 20 stars, 10, say 20 stars, and then you have these boxes. How much are you going to spend on saving? How much are you going to spend on groceries? How much are you going to spend on rent? How many are you going to spend on transportation? And they have to allocate these stars accordingly to the scenario one. You just got your first brand new job. And then the second scenario is all of a sudden, you just lost your job. You got laid off. Now you got to cut back on your budget. What are you going to cut back on? And that's just a simple activity for students to realize decision-making, but also in the impacts of life happens. Like sometimes you have no control and you got to make those tough decisions to your budget. Another example is when I work with my grade 12s. And with my grade 12s, 
at the start of the year, every semester, even if it's a grade 11 class, even if it's a grade 10 class, I say, hey, students, um, I'm going to talk about post-secondary funding and post-secondary pathways. We all know that you're going to be going somewhere, university, college, apprenticeship, or trades. You're going somewhere or workplace. And in relation to those pathways, I told my students, okay, now that you kind of have an idea where you want to go, how are you going to afford it? You have a plan. So I start going through, they develop their, figure out their plan, their pathway goal. And after that, they start figuring out university, how they're going to fund it. So I said, start looking at scholarships, start looking at bursaries, start looking at grants, start looking at internal entrance scholarships and external scholarships that are available. And then even also consider the part-time jobs to either put into the RESP or some investment account, TFSA or whatnot, to help at least budget and put towards their goal. So those are some of the things I do with my um, sports uh, marketing, grade 11 marketing, grade 10 business and careers courses. But one of the other things I embed that sometimes students don't realize is in my sports marketing class, my students have to develop an event. They actually have to budget an event, figure out the costs of renting a space, transportation of equipment, rental of equipment, chairs, utensils, all of it. And then I say, now that you have your costs, how are you going to fund it? So then they have to start realizing, how much do I charge? How many people are we going to assume that are going to attend? And then if they break even, great. If they're you know, at a bit of a loss, not that great. If they make some money, even better. But they develop this event they, without realizing that they're actually budgeting, that they're learning a life skill that is going to be important for them moving forward. If it was not something relative to them, it's something that they would just apply to another part of their life. If it's in a job, if it's in a situation, and if it's hopefully when and if they are have a family or when they're on their own. So some of these assignments, they sound, number one, they sound really, really cool. That's awesome that you do this uh, with the, the students at your school. They seem very, very lucky to be able to have these life lessons and assignments. So some of them sound very natural, like the one that you just talked about, right? It's a, it's a budget. It's not really necessary budgeting exercise, but it's a, you know, it's a, an assignment talking about planning a, an event. And part of that event, you got to plan, you know, the, the financial aspect for it. So it's, it's a very natural fit. But things like other things, like I don't know, um, like the budgeting, your you know your budgeting exercise. Um, where does that naturally fit? Like for me, for instance, I remember trying to do something similar in my accounting class, and I'll be honest with you, even though it sounds like a natural fit, it does it doesn't naturally actually fit into my accounting course based off the curriculum of what I'm trying to deliver. I almost tried to like I have to carve out time out of the calendar to kind of take this off tangent path to teach this purposely and then go back on path to teach ministry curriculum stuff. So I think one of the biggest challenges for myself and maybe even other teachers is, do you find it a challenge to, how do I put this? Do you find that some of this financial literacy stuff stuff interferes with the ministry curriculum and just getting all the stuff done by, the, by June oh, or no. by the end of the semester? No, it shouldn't interfere at all. You make it a part of your pedagogy. You make it a part of your implementation. It involves planning. It involves putting some time forward. Um, but you have to understand as an educator, you're putting that time forward to prepare and, you know, as part of the curriculum expectations, carry that with those expectations, but also prepare the students for what lies ahead for the next grade or post to high school or post collegiate or post secondary. Um, example you mentioned about the accounting class. I had just thought about could not the students create a budget related to running a business? And then based on the day-to-day finances or the monthly budget that they create for running that business, if it's a cell phone shop, cell phone parts and accessories, if it's a bakery, um, do the simple budget and lo and behold, if they haven't applied it to themselves, they've just applied it to a real life business. 
and then could probably use aspects of that budget for their income statement and their, oh my God, I forgot the other, the balance sheets. There we go. Love the balance sheet. It's been a while since I taught accounting, the balance sheet. And lo and behold, they have their expenses. They have their little things just from that little budget for the month. And then they can carry out the other aspects of the income statement and the budget and the balance sheet. So one thing I've always wanted to do that, well, I, I think I tried doing one year and again, I found it like I tried to carve out like even a week out of my calendar to do this. And I just found like it had this like ripple down effect. I'm like, oh man, I just couldn't finish the rest of the curriculum was everyone just wants to learn how to do their taxes. Uh, I was like, oh, I wish I learned how to do my taxes. I'm like accounting is such a perfect place to do it. But then I carve out the time to do it. I find that if I do like three days, it's just not enough, mm-hmm. right? You need like a chunk of time to learn how to do that, whether it's teaching the lesson, the lecture, the exercise, the assignment. And I find that's just way too much time. And I was like, I'll be honest, I eventually just gave up. I'm like, I, I can't fit this into the curriculum. Like I got to find almost like I need like another course to, to be able to do some of these things. Um, so I guess my, my other question for you then is to go off a tangent. Do you, do you feel that financial literacy only business teachers should feel obligated to teach this? Or do you feel like art, science, phys ed, math should... All, well, I know math is already doing it. Uh, but do you feel like some of those other courses should feel obligated to teach financial literacy? Or Of course, why not? <laughs> if it's part of the curriculum expectations for the ministry, we should be carrying them out. And if it's a matter of someone showing you, teaching you, guiding you, mentoring you, how to even do a simple exercise then, you know, just reach out and call someone, uh, you know, look for support. Uh, and if it's looking up for support, it's like, if you don't know, I'm pretty sure there's other resources out there. Like example, um, depending on what my availability is or the interest to my students, I'll bring in CPA Ontario, CPA Canada, Junior Achievement. Junior Achievement has amazing financial literacy workshops that they provide right. for students as part of their world of choices, their guest speakers, and even they have a investment uh, strategies program, the ISP program. That they're actually, I think they're actually starting that next week or the week after. There's the University of Waterloo with their financial literacy competition. Yeah. Uh, there's the Insurance Institute that has uh, uh, people that can tie in insurance related to art, science, math, technology, um, uh, what's the other, auto mechanic or, you know, uh, that course, uh, as well as even the other aspect, other companies, um, the Toronto Financial Institute, I think it's the Toronto Financial Institute, I think, or it used to be was originally named as the Toronto Financial Services Alliance. And then they've changed their name to the Toronto Financial Institute. All these organizations have tons of resources and teacher led materials. And hey, here's a resource that you can teach or do with your students just to help support and fit in to your pedagogy. And some of them take a period, some may take two periods. It all depends, but you got to start somewhere. And that's where I say reach out and call someone and or google it is what i usually tell my students <laughs> you're right i think there's a lot of resources out there and i think for teachers that aren't financially literate themselves or maybe it's not a natural fit in their curriculum it could be even if they want to i think it could be sometimes overwhelming to like where do i even start so i don't know about you like what's your pulse on i guess the province of ontario in general how would you assess our province in terms of delivering financial literacy curriculum in the classroom? Um, I would say it's it's good. It's okay. Um, but there's always room for improvement. Um, and like Even the aspect in regards to um, 
when you look at the math curriculum, when you take a look at a, a lot of the other curriculums where there was a lack of equity in regards to the aspects of, you know, de, the aspect of streaming students, where it's now de-streaming. So the pathways open up for our students. So in this case, there's always room for improvement when it comes to embedding and including or implementing financial literacy in all courses. Um, in regards to the federal government and the provincial government, I would say that this is something that, you know, put the time and effort, put the money. I know there's a lot of money being put towards mental health and resources and updating the curriculum. While they're updating the various curriculum, they can take that opportunity to make sure that the financial literacy components are also embedded as well. But there is a need for training and time development, training and time. So a teacher can do some PD saying, hey, here's the new curriculum. This is what it looks like. This is similar to what you're doing is just that we've taken this out, we've added that in, and this is how it seems is seamless in regards to carrying out. So all you have to do is a matter of just carry it out and continue on with what you're doing. But prior to that, let's go through this PD. Let's look at what it looks like and what our students will see. And then that way you can see the outcome and the impact and their engagement from it as well. It's a, it's a process. It's not something like, here you go. And then it just sits there on a shelf. You have to, you know, similar how we do with our students, we hold their hands, we teach them, we mentor them, guide them. The same supports and mechanisms are necessary for our teachers. You, you talked about the provincial government uh, updating some curriculum. I, the, one of the most recent ones besides last year uh, was uh, the career studies course. I remember that being a big, big deal. And the government was really advertising how we're, we're going to implement financial literacy into this grade 10 career studies course. Um, you being a career studies teacher in the past, um, how would you assess that implementation? I guess over, I don't know, I think it's been five plus years now. How would you implement that um, that part of the curriculum into that course so far? Has it been a success in your opinion? The new curriculum just came out, I think, two, three years ago. And with the new curriculum, it's been good. Uh, but it's just a matter of informing teachers that it's there. Please re- do not refer to the old curriculum. That does not include financial literacy. Please use the updated material. Uh, there's tons of material that's all there, already available on the Brightspace uh, ministry from TVO, as well as the you know, Ministry of Education's uh, Brightspace Deep Desire to Learn uh, course shells. That also already has it embedded. Um, and I, one, one of those teachers that I uh, modified it to fit into a summer school format that included that material as well. So that way it's, I've looked at it. It's really easy and great to go through. The students go through budgeting. They have to go through decision-making. They have to do planning. It applies to the real life, things that they actually go through. And also in regards to making and to thinking about learning about different types of investments. So that curriculum is good. It would have been nice just that moving forward is that they start utilizing different parts of that when it comes to all the other grades. So that way, as a province, they can get better at um, not just focusing on specific subject areas, but then all subject areas. So that way, teachers all feel that uh, if they don't feel competent or or comfortable or not sure how to or because, you know, not all of us are experts in money management, you know. Um, So that way, as teachers, if you're not sure, you bring in someone who can do it for you. And, that, and I, yeah. that ties back to my experience as the teacher financial champion of, um, and for the federal government, this is like almost six years ago when they had that program, is that I would actually go out and train teachers on utilizing resources. Right. Now, that, that you bring up a good point. I, I think that was one of my concerns when the government implemented this new curriculum into career studies. Is like, number one, not all the careers teachers are financially literate or might not be comfortable talking about money. Uh, but number two, more just like, 
again, the timeline, like careers is a half credit course. And I just think I'm like, man, how in the world are you going to fit this important subject into this half credit course and still teach the other parts of, I guess, the career studies curriculum as well? Uh, like, I, I almost wonder, like, does it even do it justice? You know, uh, like how well of a job can you teach that curriculum in that short amount of time on top of the other expectations? The great thing is the grade 10 for, uh, careers course is a mandatory course. So all students have to take it. Uh, right. Three, four, five, six, seven days out of, you know, the 40 days for the careers course, you know, it's not enough, but we can always say there's not very enough. There's in any subject area, we wish you can teach more about accounting or marketing or okay. math or science or algebra. We wish there was more time. Um, but this is where the components that are in the uh, careers course with related to financial literacy is very specific and targeted such that students could feel, feel comfortable and at least be equipped moving forward with some of the basics. And depending on the teacher, if they're able to carry out more, they can carry it more. Um, but it's a good starting board. And that's where I said right. university, it's a good starting board, a conversation, but uh, there's always more room for improvement. Right. That's for sure. I know last year, the government also added, a, updated the math curriculum. Uh, again, I know you're not a necessarily a math teacher. I know you've t- t- taught some math courses, but have you taken a look at that new math curriculum? Because they, they mentioned something about updating it with some financial literacy components. And I haven't looked at it myself, so I'm, I'm just actually curious myself to see <laughs> people what people think about it. I haven't looked at it. Uh, I haven't taught math probably about 10 years now. Uh, oh, so okay. has it impacted me yet to look at the grade nine, grade 10 uh, de-streamed math and the grade 11, grade 12 uh, math courses and the curriculum related. But um, I think they're still transitioning related to uh, fitting it, in, especially during this pandemic. It's uh, including the transition or the new transformers uh, math curriculum along with managing the pandemic. So we're still on the roller coaster ride. We're not just where we are on the ups and downs of that roller coaster ride. That's for sure. So let's say you were in charge of financial literacy of all of Canada or Ontario. What would you like to see done differently in the world of financial literacy in our classroom? Like how can our province get better at teaching this subject on a wider scale? I would first, first of all, I'd ask the powers to be, give me an, give me the budget that I asked for. (laughs) (laughs) And then with the budget that I asked for, then I can probably do a more effective job. Uh, if you give me a limited budget, I can do not what you, I can't do the, I can't go for the moon, but I can at least, right. you know, jump off of land at least and yeah. somewhere in the process of getting to the moon. But uh, I guess the start would be in regards to is that, uh, you know, prepare the teachers. And if it's not in the teachers, then target and approach the students and the families with various resources and materials. And hopefully if it's a teacher prong approach, approach where it's in the classroom, if it's a family prong approach with, uh, you know, workshops and events, you know, inside in community centers or in communities or in areas, or if it is in regards to the classroom, if it is the field trips, if it is partnering with nonprofit and other organizations to host these, um, there's a lot of ways. Uh, it just matters about uh, how we get there and to ensure that we made an impact. So that means, with any impact, with any initiative, the feedback mechanism, get the feedback, get the, see if it was impactful, see if you can look at the data, first year, second, third, fourth year of implementation, and just keep checking up on those that were had that sort of impact or initiatives that participated and see the results and right. they still resonate. So it's, it's the, it, you know, 
it's uh, not a simple solution. It's a, it's a, it's a quest. Uh, and in right. that quest, it's something that uh, we work towards achieving. Uh, the, what's it called? The boundaries will always change depending on the time, depending on the environment, depending on the school, depending on the year, depending on the geographic the list goes on. But at least we're making, if we can be making progress, measured progress, then I'll say that's a success. And of course, right. I have the beholder. <laughs> what, um, here, here's my idea. It's, not, it's an oversimplification, but my thought would be, why not just create like a, I don't even know what you would call it, financial literacy course, almost like a credit that every kid in high school needs to take similar to English and math. You got to take it all the way through grade nine, 10, 11, 12, or it could just be one course uh, that you have to take at some point in your high school career and teach some of those things that we've talked about this entire time, rather than integrate into our curriculum where sometimes people might not think it's a natural fit. Just have a literally a dedicated course to this. What are your thoughts on that? I guess, oversimplified idea. They actually do that in some provinces, not in Ontario, mm. sadly. They do it in some mm. other provinces, but not in Ontario. Do they? They Interesting. Do. Um, and I think in Ontario, it would be nice to have uh, the alternative, which I will recommend to all your listeners, is that if they don't have that embedded in their courses, please be sure to take the grade 12 IDC, financial secret IDC for you P course, if, it's, if they offer it at your school related to the financial securities course. Yes, that will be a great compliment. But if they don't offer that, then um, it would be nice for advocacy from teachers, from unions, from the board, from anyone of, uh, you know, able who has a microphone or a blowhorn or a speakerphone to tell, you know, say, hey, this is going to be important because right now we're going through stagflation. It's going to happen sooner or later Mm -hmm. uh, and inflation. So it'd be nice for students to realize like, hey, I've earned hundred dollars, but I got a pay increase of one percent, but uh, inflation is seven percent. So I'm actually down six percent. You know, the mm-hmm. simplest form of that. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's where students would benefit from a financial literacy course. Um, they did make steps relation in related to the financial uh, literacy components in the careers course, but hopefully data will showcase or I uh, direct saying, hey, maybe there is a stronger need for a financial literacy course. And thus, uh, where do we include it? And if we do include it, um, do we make it optional or mandatory? And if we make it mandatory, uh, then at least moving forward in Ontario, we'll have all students at least having some sort of capacity-related financial literacy. Yeah. Where would you, where would you think it would be? Like, let's say hypothetically, you know, we were to make this course, me and you together, taking over <laughs> the world. Uh, what, what do you think is a good place to, to put this? You know, at the early ages, grade nine, 10, or do you think towards the senior years when they're all off to their post-secondary workplace, college, um, you know, post-life high school? Like where, where do you, would you put that course, you think? I'd probably put it in grade 10 or grade 11. One of those grade two 10, areas. Yeah. In grade yeah. 10, it's a bit uh, tough because of the number of electives that students have to take. And yeah, if right. in grade 10, I'd probably do it mandatory for grade 11 as part of prior to grade 12, because in grade 12, the students are just worried about trying to get in somewhere and their yeah. marks, whereas grade 11 uh, is their transition year to really get their yeah. mindset on let's plan for grade 12. And that yeah. would be a great part of including it in the grade 11, uh, uh, excuse me, in the grade 11 um, year. Yeah. You know, I heard something about the, the liberal government uh, just literally the other day about how they want to create this um optional grade 13 year. Have you heard about this in the news or I, I was, I think it was mentioned yesterday. 
Yeah, um, they they want to create this optional grade thirteen year for people that let's say want to do a, a victory lap, uh, which is the only difference between your regular victory lap right now would be it's more structured. And they actually specifically said, you know, we would have curriculum designed for things like financial literacy, mental health, and civic engagement. And um, again, it all sounds great lip service. I'm just curious of what that would look like uh, in that grade 13 year in terms of the more specifically the financial literacy component. It'll be interesting to see what it looks like, but once they, you know, get those details together, then uh, yeah. it'll be great to work on that together and yeah. make that happen. That's what I can say. Yeah. Um, for the parents listening at home, uh, cause I do get some parent listeners as well. What can parents do at home to help promote financial literacy with their children? Cause we know that this subject, it's a, it's a two way street from, from the teachers and the parents. Uh, what can they do? Uh, what can they do from home to do their part? I would say, first of all, uh, start early with the children. Uh, if it's the simple in regards to managing budget, managing allowance, making decisions related to, uh, should I, should I not? making decisions, even the simplest aspect. Oh, my beer is, you know, my stuffy is uh, stuffed out. <laughs> and do I go in and buy another brand new um, stuffed animal? Or do I just go to Michael's and buy the bag of fill and not only, you know, save some money on filling in my stuffy, but also learn a knife, uh, another life skill of sewing your clothes or sewing. sewing. Um, that's just something that you can start off as a parent, even if it's in regards to chores and allowance. Uh, I'd hope that kids do upkeep of the house as part of maintaining the house because something that's going to be passed on to them, hopefully, uh, instead of like, I have to earn. <laughs> um, because at least then it seems like you're buying their involvement or buying their stuff. But that's interesting. It's into the conversation by itself. But yeah. in regards to the money and allowance and stuff, I'd say simple aspects, helping out with budgeting, helping out with uh, looking at the flyers, seeing and shopping around for what, what's on sale related to fruits and vegetables or other items that you regularly eat. Um, those are some, some small ways, even if it's the aspect in regards to, hi, sweetie, you just got $200 from grandma or grandpa or someone, uncle or aunt or someone family related. What do you really like to do with it? Let's create a budget and spend the time sitting down with your child and going through what would you like to spend that money on and then let them go through some decisions you go back and forth but listening is important and then that's just a starting point and as they get older hopefully those decisions skills those financial literacy skills uh, are built and grown where then they get their own job they're able to make their own decisions related to how they manage their budget of course they may come back for advice but that advice that they come back for is just further re-strengthening what they initially learned because of what they learned early on in life. So it involves those little things early on that we can do with our children as a parent. Yeah, I agree. I, I think financial literacy for sure needs to be taught from from home as well, as long as school. And because you're right, it's, it's such an important subject that gets really it's a lifetime worth of, of lessons then uh, it, it definitely starts from from home, I'd, I'd say for sure. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, yeah, I'm looking at the time. I think we need to wrap up. So maybe a couple of wrap-up questions here. Sure. Um, in a perfect world uh, where teachers all want to teach financial literacy and everyone wants to rush to their laptops and figure out a lesson plan tomorrow, uh, where, where where can teachers begin? What, what resources do you have? What resources have you used? Conferences that you've been to? People that you've spoken to? Uh, where can people get started? I would say is... Google search, contact me as well. I'd be happy to share resources. 
Um, in regards to Googling, CPA Canada has where you can bring in a guest speaker to talk about financial literacy uh, yeah, from the elementary and for the high school level. You can bring in junior achievement uh, into your classroom at the elementary level and the secondary level to bring in resources. You have uh, the Canadian Bankers Association, which has an amazing resource geared for grade nine, grade 10, uh, related to um, learning about money. I think it's what... Um, uh, what's what what's in your money or something like that money challenge or something like that uh, if your school happens to have some budget money you can bring in the gentleman who does the uh, funny money conversation oh funny money i brought that guy in uh, like eight years ago yeah. actually you can bring yeah. him into a school do a nice workshop or auditorium setting on financial literacy on decision making and in regards to financial literacy decisions those are some of the ways that you can start off today and of course, how can you reach out to me? Um, you can find me on social media. My Just type in on LinkedIn, Ali Hirji. Uh, or if you Google my name, A-L-Y, Hirji, H-I-R-J-I. Uh, I'll probably be the top one there. I think if I remember correctly, my LinkedIn is first, my Twitter account is second, and then I don't have Instagram or anything like that. So those would be the, probably the first top five. And even if you look for Google images, I'm probably the first three. <laughs> All right. Ali, you on TikTok with the kids or what? No, no. Uh, no TikTok. Eh? No TikTok, <laughs> Facebook, no Instagram. Just keep it Twitter and LinkedIn. Keep it nice and simple with family time and uh, my own time. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, Oli, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today uh, and uh, putting out some of your, your contact information for our listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on this podcast, sharing some of your experience and knowledge to all the teachers and listeners out there about uh, financial literacy, which is a topic that's... Uh, Dear to my heart. Thank you, Ronald, for having me here. You're welcome. And thank you to your audience for listening in today. And thank you again to everyone else for listening and tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this week's episode, feel free to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at the Teacher Hotline. Of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow button on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all other streaming networks. Guys, we'll see you in Monday next week. Uh, enjoy the week. Take care, everyone. Bye.